Hello and welcome to Paranormal or What podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. Hello, Paranormal peeps. How are you this week? I'm feeling very happy because the sun is shining in England and it makes me feel really good. In fact, you could almost say it was warmish, 13 degrees C. So for us, that's not too bad. So this week has been quite uh, up and down. My husband's had COVID. I've managed to avoid it. Yay! Um, And the other thing is there's been quite a big change at Paranormality magazine, which is the US magazine that I write for. After some unfortunate tweets on Twitter by a member of the magazine, um, the people who run it and the people who work for it have all had a big change round. Some people have joined, some people have left, and yet I still remain. So keep buying Paranormality magazine for fantastic reports and articles on the paranormal, including some by me. Uh, Last month's was an article about Dave Schrader from the Paranormal 60 and you will be very, very excited to hear that I can now finally release my interview with Dave. So that's what you're going to be listening to today and we go really, really deep. So I think you're going to need that tot of something hot and fiery, a nice warm blanket and a good hour to sit and enjoy what Dave and I chewed the fat about. So, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to Paranormal or What podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Ford. And have we got a treat for you today? We have got Dave Schrader on the show. Hello, Dave. And am I paranormal or what? You are the paranormal person. (laughs) (laughs) Abnormal, maybe. Paranormal, (laughs) I don't know. So Dave has lived a life deeply entrenched in the paranormal. From early childhood visitations from his deceased grandmother to growing up in a haunted house, a Bigfoot sighting when he was 12, to UFO encounters over Trout Lake, Washington. That drove his passion to explore and research more. He tied his love of radio and the paranormal together, creating the long-running paranormal chat show, Darkness Radio, for 17 years, and now hosts the Paranormal 60 podcast. Dave has been the lead featured paranormal investigator on the television series, The Halls of Files, Ghosts of Devil's Perch, and has been a guest on Paranormal State, Ghost Adventures Nine Times, Ghost Adventures Screaming Room, Haunted Hospitals, Jack Osborne's Fright Club, and more. Wow, Dave. You Can are I just a... have you follow me around and narrate my life? That was <laughs> good. now entering the Dunkin' Donuts, where he hopes to get an iced coffee and a cruller. Exactly. So yeah, I just think my life would be better with that kind of narration. Well, you know, outside of teaching, I'm free to be hired. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Right. So this brings me to my first question. Okay. Um, How much have your ideas on the paranormal changed during your journey where it comes to ghosts, aliens and real monsters? 
Uh, you know, it, when I began this, like many people, my interpretations of them came from Hollywood books, uh, TV shows like sightings or in search of or unsolved mysteries. And now kind of re-examining all of these different topics as I've grown over the last 17, 18 years of doing my, my podcast and radio show, I've learned that things can't be so neatly put away. You can't just say, this is a ghost. This is a cryptid. This is an alien. This is this. There seems to be many different shifting paradigms in all of these things. And I don't know that we'll ever truly be allowed to define any one thing. And anybody that gets too trapped in that sentiment of needing to have one definitive answer, I think is going to be extremely frustrated in this field because I think the things that we're interested in and fascinated in have many different levels to them and that there are different ways to examine each one of them. And as we learn more like science, you know, at one point we thought, well, to get rid of disease, we'll put leeches on you to suck away all the bad disease and the bad blood. And although it was on the right path and we only found out centuries later that that's a good plan for some things, we've learned that there are other ways to adjust and deal with the type of things that and, and phenomena that exist in the real world. So the paranormal has shifted quite a bit for me. Um, I don't necessarily believe we're dealing always with just dead granny. Uh, you know, her she died, her soul is left, and now it's wandering about aimlessly. I think there are different elements of the soul and the type of hauntings we deal with. Yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. Um the more that I've investigated, I have to say, the more I feel that things are connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're connected. And then they, again, they're, they're not easily uh, packaged, right? You can say, you know, let, let's look. Most likely aliens, cryptids, ghosts, uh, angels, creatures like that may be more connected because what they're a bigger part of is an interdimensional plane, which in a lot of belief systems, our soul leaves and enters a different dimension or a different plane of existence. Maybe these creatures have the ability to traverse back and forth. Maybe they've met us in these parallel universes. We've told them our stories, which is what fascinates them to come look into our existence. You know, that sounds like the machinations of, of uh, science fiction, but maybe we're a little closer to reality in in those designs than we would normally give credit to yeah and i think um it's quite comforting because we're usually um science and and our field is usually so much at odds but to know that scientists have uh, discovered uh, maybe up to 10 dimensions already makes you think yes this could actually be real it could be what's sure. happening i agree Look, I mean, there's magic all around us. If you're watching this video of you and I talk, one second you're there, the next part of your head vanishes. Are you interdimensionally shifting or are you just in a bad green screen? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's all up to one's perception of what's actually taking place. And it could be both things at once. We could coexist in multiple dimensions, which would explain why we sometimes have memories like deja vu yes, or, yes. or uh, precognitive memories, because living in multispatial time and duality of, of kind of consciousness 
consciousness can't be defined by science of where it exists. So maybe it exists through all of it. It's like the, the ethernet experience that goes through all of our dimensions and different aspects of us can plug into it. Like in our home, we have one router, but many different things coming into that router. And that may kind of be the way our consciousness works so that we're having these experiences simultaneously. So once in a while, we are going to randomly pick up on the memories from the other planes or the other parallel universes or, or worlds. I don't know. I, I just love the, I love having the ability to kind of examine those and not just feel like an idiot thinking that because I, I, I don't think we're meant to know any one thing definitively yeah. when it comes to the miracles and magic around us. Yeah. I'm definitely with you there. I think probably linear time um, is only one tiny aspect of the whole the whole package, and maybe it will right. slowly unfold in the future. And then we can sit on our clouds above and watch down as it all unfolds. That's right. I'm hoping that eventually <laughs> I realize I'm aging backwards and that this moment right now will be gone, and soon I'll have hair and a thin stomach and children that don't talk back to me again. That would be great. And maybe I will yeah. wear glasses. Phew. There you go. <laughs> okay. Um, next question. Why do you believe that most of the spirit and ghost sightings seem so centered around the 1800s and early 1900s? Because you don't often seem to get a ghost that pops in from the 1300s. Why right. do you think that is? Well, I think it also is dependent upon where you live, right? And in your country, you might see ghosts that predate what we experience here. There was a big change in, in the world here in the 1700s as we, 16, 1700s as we begin to settle it. But I think what's interesting is you look at these rises of spirituality, usually around times of civil unrest, the Civil War, uh, you know, the, the World Wars. So you've got all of these different things that take place. And when there is this death that happens and people are cut off from their loved ones and friends and family, and they want to reach out, there was this glut of people going out to spiritualists, to mediums, to people that claim to have these abilities. What if we somehow ruptured that timeline by digging at it so often and calling forth so many of the spirits from that era that maybe we actually created a, a chasm in space-time where we're more close to that moment because we called upon it so often. And we'll see that cyclically you know, play out. There are moments, I think, where we're going to see these fractions of time that will be able to witness what's going on. Perhaps they can witness us because that time element is, you know, we've talked about the thinning of the veil. Maybe it's because so many people have scratched at it. It's like a, a piece of fabric, right? The yeah. more you scratch at it, the more you wash it, the more the fabric, you know, degradates and, and falls apart. So through all this time of so many people scratching at that layer, scratching at that layer, scratching at that layer, it has gotten to the point where it's threadbare and we can see through it. It can see through to us and it makes its way in. We do have moments where we see contemporary ghosts, but those seem fewer and far between. Most of the time it's the women in the, the white dresses, gray dresses, men in suits and top hats, or, you know, just 
kind of these elements out of time. Yeah. And that could be it. It also could be much like the string theory concept that time is not linear. It's this big ball of wibbly wobbly timey wimey mess, like Doctor Who says, right? And maybe 1800 to 1925 happens to be laying over 2000 to 2050. And then eventually yeah. it'll undulate and change, and then we'll start to see the 50s or the 1300s. Um, and that may be part of what what occurs as we continue to experiment and, and look into this. And suddenly, all of a sudden, I'm allergic to this uh, hypothesis I've, I've posited. <laughs> so I apologize. I'm, I think could it's be a my sign dog. That you're is, right. <laughs> yeah, it could be my dog is sitting here scratching himself, kicking hair up in the air, and that very well could be what's really disturbing the elements i do you know i'm absolutely fascinated by what you said because i hadn't thought of that at all um and now i'm going to have to go away after this and have a good think about it um so thank you for that because i wondered sure. whether um it was something to do with um whoever is in charge if you believe that something is in charge some higher right. power um have the, I wondered whether they had kind of imposed time limit limits on how 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 long you could be uh, allowed to come back for after death, and then after that you you fade away and only residual hauntings remain. But I like your theory better, definitely. Well, and it could be that things shift and change constantly, right? And there are places where they've seen Roman gladiator spirits and maybe Bigfoot is, is nothing more than a glimpse at Neanderthal man or some other missing link we're unfamiliar with. And that's why they can be there one second gone the next They're you know, they're having that physical moment briefly in our realm and then they vanish to us, but they're still there. And are we the ghost to them? Are they walking along and they see a car zip by and they're like, what the hell was that? And yeah. they have no concept to what's taking place. You look through history and time, and there's a lot of strange art, a lot of strange things that even the, the cave people left that show interesting things that make you question what was it that they were experiencing at that time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, 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 is, it can be a bit scary thinking about it. Is there, is there anything that frightens you? Uh, at this point on your journey with the paranormal you know the one thing that frightens me is that well obviously you know the ego aspect of it's all I'm, I'm getting it all wrong that's terrifying you'd hate to think that that's the case but what really the things that frighten me now are the fact that you know what if I'm leaving something behind what if I'm leaving someone behind I'm, or what if I'm calling them in only to kind of strand them because I don't know the proper protocol. I know to call and conjure to, to necromance them into our realm. And then once they get here, how do we properly send them back? And have we, as paranormal investigators, have we called forth spirits that may end up being trapped or lost and unable to find their way back? So that's, that's more of what really scares me at this point in my career is, I don't want to be doing more damage to the spiritual world than I am doing good, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I suppose if you think of it like that, it is a huge responsibility when you're um, out investigating or even, you know, inside houses investigating. If you have, um, you know, yanked somebody out of where they were as a spirit 
uh, and you leave them there, that it's a huge responsibility. Right. And that's why I think we should take what we do seriously, not call upon spirits to just act out in a circus monkey way to satisfy our wants and desires. I've tried to change my thoughts to when I go to places, I want to see if I can bring help to these spirits. If there's something I can do for them, hearing their story, examining their history, addressing them by name, uh, it, it, showing that respect that they're due in life as in death. Yeah. Um, my next question is, what's more likely? Do you think that locations are likely to be haunted or the people within them or both maybe? Yeah, that's an interesting element, right? Everybody talks about, you know, their, their kind of bucketless place to get into would be Amityville, to get into that house, right? On Ocean Drive. I don't believe that you would find something there because I, you know, the, the strange thing is a brutal, horrific murder took place on that property. And there's really no evidence of the family returning, the DeFeo family. But you have George Lutz, who lived there, who was involved in transcendental meditation, calling things forward, uh, experimenting with narcotics putting him into multiple layers of altered states from not just metaphysical, but physical, spiritual, hauling upon things. And according to his stepson, Christopher, um, he only found out later that the beings that George was calling upon were not beings of peace and love and change, but they were more the spirits of um, anarchy. Uh, I don't want to say evil spirits or, you know, but, or dark spirits, but they definitely were, not uh, positive in nature. Mm. So did he then kind of curse his family by calling upon these energies that, you know, like the monkey paw, that, you know, with every wish there comes a curse. When you call upon things, there is an ultimate price that you pay. And did the, the, the Lutz family pay that price dealing with what we perceive to be spirits and evil beings when really what they were were ancient um elementals or gin or whatever George was messing with. And there are many people that knew George and claimed that he was doing these things. So people have gone and said, Oh, see, it was all flim flam. And, and it never happened because there was no complaints in the house afterwards, but yet there was an issue when they moved to California, they had to go through an exorcism. Why would they put themselves through an exorcism in order, you know, to clarify themselves they didn't sell any more of their story. They didn't, you know, none of it con continued on from that point, but they, they had to deal with it. They did. And, you know, it, there was a derision in their life and a lot of family strife. And, and, you know, I, I can't even imagine what it was like to be any one of the kids that lived through that and having your story play out on a, a movie screen and played back on TV every Halloween and, you know, they're haunted by that. They're haunted by a history they didn't create. So there's different elements to what is a haunting. You know, I think sometimes a, a location is so scarred from the things that took place there, from the people, the land, and the blood that's been spilled that you would you would tend to believe that you there's something there more than just somebody's imagination. Um, but sometimes we carry our own baggage. And I often wonder if a lot of the spirits that, that follow us are just iterations of us. Are they past live incarnations 
that are still with us. They're, they're the, the backpack of our experiences packed in there. And, and sometimes they make themselves known and they go on walkabout. They want to get out and experience this world briefly and see what's going on, which may explain why we have strange dreams of things we don't know about because the spirit, the consciousness has left and gone and looked and searched these things out and come back. And that may explain how people have had, you know, Da Vinci being able to contemplate planes and create things. You know, maybe it was an iteration of Da Vinci that's in Orville Wright or Orville Wright or in Buzz Aldrin. So there's this elevation of, of who we are that continues on and continues to revisit all of our incarnations. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it does. It's quite um, a sobering thought, isn't it? If you thought that all the versions of yourself and all your relatives are constantly following you around and you right. have got this big troop of people with you. No mm-hmm. wonder sometimes you don't feel like you're alone. Right. I think right. Um, we ought to follow the old adage as well. Be careful what you wish for. Because right. um, you know all the uh, the folk sto- the folk stories and fairy tales all warn of these things. Be careful mm-hmm. what you wish for, and I think sometimes paranormal investigators are so desperate to see something that they they're reckless. Right. Yeah, I've heard people call out, "I'd sell my soul to have an experience." You know, and I would. I don't care if it's a demon. I don't care if this. And you put that out there. That's a calling card. And just for the universe to know, that was not me calling it upon me. I was simply reciting what I've heard other people say. But you you put yourself out there. Words have power, right? Intention, manifestation has power. And if you're putting that out there, sometimes you're going to get a spiritual ass kicking because that's kind of what you're asking for. Yeah. Um. So to sort of continue the the idea of people or locations or objects being haunted, Mm -hmm. what thoughts do you have on haunted artifacts um, such as dolls, possessed dolls? What do you think about those sorts of things? Like, uh, you know, there's a very famous person who has a haunted museum with apparently the the souls of people trapped within these artifacts. What do you make of all that? Is it truly haunted or is it something that just meant something to someone you know we hear about jewelry really holding it well it makes sense if jewelry is something that's important to us our wedding rings our bracelets our necklaces things that are given to us out of love in times of distress we create necklace to remember our mother who's passed away we create this we create that and, and and we bond ourselves to these pieces they become a part of who we are so is there an essence to that? Is there a collection point of a piece of us in all of this? Um, not necessarily a consciousness, but like um, like a file effects that's left behind that could be tapped into. Um, I would hate to think that, you know, you bought my old lawn, riding lawnmower and all of a sudden weird stuff starts happening in your house and it, it's a it turns out I'm haunting my old lawnmower. How depressing would that be? <laughs> that like in the afterlife, I'm like, man, if I could just get on that Toro one more time, right? <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but there's an element of it. You know, to my father, I could see that. He's, my my dad is Zen when he mows his lawn. <laughs> Perfect lines. It's, 
it's uh, geometric patterns. It's he's very into it and it means something. So I could see there being an essence of him, but not him as a fully formed being, but that piece that he leaves behind of, of himself. Um, dolls, you know, I mean, the concept that things can possess an item. I, you know, again, if I had the choice as a free flowing spirit to say, I could wander the world or I can put myself in this Mason jar. It seems ridiculous to me, but maybe, maybe what happened is an element of that child remains with that doll because of what that doll represented to them at the time. Maybe, maybe sometimes it's more negative because that child clutched that doll close to them as their parents fought in the other room and the screaming and the yelling or the child kind of embedded itself into that doll to get away from other horrific things that happen to children. And that's what's left that, that little broken fractured piece of the soul is still what's there. And that's why it's so negative. And you think, well, but that was owned by a little girl. Why, why would it be evil? Why is there something darker on it again? Because we don't know the backstory of the person that owned it. Did they imbue it with evil to protect themselves? Did they call forth a demon and, and bind it to this item? I don't know that we have that kind of power. Um, but what I do believe is that we influence the things around us. Have you ever just had a really crap and everything you touch just falls apart. I'm getting crappy connection on my internet. My phone's not working. I keep trying to send texts and it keeps auto-correcting the words that don't even make sense. And I often wonder if that chaotic, yeah, that energy, that's the poltergeist energy. That's that, you know, anarchy energy that exists. And it unleashes in times of high stress and and we we do impact and affect the things around us. So can an item be haunted, possessed? I don't know. I would find it would be stupid of a demon to, to bind itself to a Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. Because to what end? If it can't get up and walk around, you know, maybe a G.I. Joe, at least it's got bendy parts. But Raggedy Ann, right? Annabelle, she's just a big floppy rag doll. Yeah. You know, and I know that sounds like I'm making light of it, but I'm not saying that, that the Warrens were wrong or that the family that turned over the doll to the Warrens were wrong. Maybe there was something attached to it, but what did that thing really mean? You want to call it a demon because there's something scary, but what did that child see? What did that child experience that they emboldened upon that item? And I know that sounds dark to say something like that, but sometimes that's how people deal with it. And you wonder, you hear later, oh my God, Dave lived through what? He had to do what? They did what to him? And how is he so even keel and, and kind of normal now? Well, maybe that's because I put so much into something mm. that that is poisoned, but I'm not. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Hmm? And no, the psychometry like element of something. Look at, we exist... We existed for centuries, millennia, without one of these, without a cell phone. Now we can't imagine having it away from us for more than a few minutes at a time, right? How many of these suckers, 
you know, thankfully most of them are getting destroyed, crushed down and put into, you know, new equipment or turned into kids playgrounds. Does that mean they're going to be haunted playgrounds in the future? Cause we are so frustrated with our phones and we've imbued them with that, you know, but we, we become dependent on things and they become part of who we are, how we identify ourselves. And if something means something more to you than others, you know, I could pick up this phone that belongs to you and I can go, I'm, whew, I, I'm getting like a really cold sensation. Like, um, like I'm in Minnesota, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. That guy that owns it lived in Minnesota. It was freezing there all the time. Right. And you're, you're picking up those elements of who that person is, but not the person themselves, more like the trace elements, the, the what's left behind the shadows or echoes of what we are or were in the physical plane. Well, I hope you're right, Dave, because the thought of a haunted mobile phone really scares me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, they haunt us already. Although, <laughs> let me throw this at you. Here's something interesting. When you, you've had dreams, have you dreamt about being in a car? Yes. Have you, have you worn shoes in your dreams? Oh, I don't know. Right? Have you? Well, most people have, or, you know, your outfits, or, you know, you, you recognize friends, you yeah. dream about school. This is such an important thing to us in our lives, but not many people dream and have cell phones. Isn't that a weird element? Oh, I never I, maybe I'm wrong. That. Think about it. Think about all the dreams you've had. And I know I'm going to automatically have people that are listening to your show that are going to, well, I always have dreams about my cell phone, but that is one out of billions of people. I, I get that too. I get people that swear they dream about their cell phone and it's a part of their universe, but there, that fraction is so small compared to all the rest of us who dream and never dream about our cell phone. Yeah, I, I can honestly say that I've never dreamt about my phone. Right, but how important it is to us in life. I mean, we live on this. How is it not more of a part of our dream realm? And it just starts to show that maybe there are different elements of what maybe maybe in those realms we understand what's more important maybe that's our awakened state maybe this is the the entrance to the matrix right this form we think is the awake state is really the sleep state and these are part of our dreams the real world is what we're kicking around in when we think we're sleeping oh gosh now you Here's are scaring me <laughs> could i roll another one and we can yeah. smoke it together <laughs> far away because i feel like i need to go down the pub with you <laughs> no hey it's all about thinking outside the box putting yeah, out the yeah. thoughts and the questions because you never know i mean it's these kind of conversations that might actually open up a dialogue where we do start to learn and push and they find a way to test these theories so this um leads me actually quite nicely onto my next question um as your experience grows in hunting ghosts and spirits, do you feel you understand them more or less than when you began? I guess, well, that's a tough question, right? Because again, I came into this realm believing one thing. My grandmother died, her soul left. Her, it, it, she hangs around to visit with me because she loves me so much. And, and that was that. 
uh, because that was my first experience is was seeing my grandmother after she passed. Um, but now I start to think that there are different elements to what a haunting is. So yeah, the soul, you know, it's interesting. Some people will see a little girl's ghost that matches our grandmother's description when she was a little girl in her childhood home. But yet we see grandma's old woman ghost at the house she died in. How can that be? Well, something's a, a doppelganger. It's evil. Well, what did it ever do that was evil? Well, it's trying to replicate grandma as a child. And that's the extent of evil. So, you know, I think it's, again, if you walk in a place of fear and believe everything's against you in a conspiracy, I think that's just the world you'll find. But I think if we look further into, okay, those are elements, maybe that house. And we talked to grandma, grandma loved living in, in Marinette, Wisconsin. My grandmother loved it. My grandfather loved it. And I could see them leaving a big part of that element of who they were behind or visiting that era again as a ghost. Why not go back and visit your childhood home and maybe appear as you did when you lived there, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, it's tied to that. Maybe, maybe like a, a fingerprint lock when you enter that area, the house recognizes you for the child you were, and that's what appears in that house. And I know that sounds really trippy because you're saying this, this house remembers me. I think inanimate objects have a level of consciousness, and science is saying that too. Google it. You'll see that science is starting to believe that inanimate objects may have an awareness or a consciousness. And that's pretty compelling. That's an interesting facet to exploring and understanding the bigger concept of everything. And if you were happy there and that house was filled with giggles and laughs and love and cuddles and squeezes, why wouldn't that make the house thrive as well? You know, I think about it, I'm in a stressful place in my life, right? I'm mid fifties. Uh, you know, I'm bald. I'm overweight. I've got small, smart ass teenagers. I've got this. I, um, things go wrong in my house. Urgh, I'm shaking my fist at it. And then I think about how much more starts to go wrong. Maybe I just need to just be thankful. Hey, thank you, house. Thank you for giving me support over my head and keeping the rain off. And it sounds, again, stupid, but people, there are people that talk to their water, that talk to their drink and their food, and they, they inject it with positivity so that what they're ingesting is something that's positive. And again, for as insane as that sounds, science has done tests with water where they will, people will talk positively to ice and then talk negatively to ice. And the negative is filled with fractures and cracks and feathering. And the positivity ones are clear. That's not Dave Schroeder making that up. That's mm -hmm. science examining how things work. The energy we put into things, it comes back to us. So if you put positive energy into what you're about to eat and drink. Maybe that will fill that with the energy that you need truly to, you know, be a nutrient. Monks would say that they eat the sunshine. They would take their spoon and imaginary eat the sunshine to bring the warmth and the glow. And they would live to be 90, hundred years old. Maybe there's an element to that, that makes sense. Maybe it's in what we put into a thing is what we take back out of it. Yeah, I really, I, I do um, agree with that completely. And it makes me uh, think back to when I was a teenager, um, riddled with anxiety, as many teenagers are, um, mm -hmm. with all sorts 
I had all sorts of sort of weird OCD things that I used to do. Um, and one of them was that I used to secretly say thank you to inanimate objects. I did it all the time. Like if I if I traveled on a, a bus, I would say thank you to the seat when I got up. Um, if I bumped into a door, I'd say sorry to it. Um, right. And my friend just thought I was absolutely mad. And I, I think I did as well. But when you start thinking like that, you think, well, maybe I was just putting out these. It was a way of controlling my environment and a way of expressing myself. And maybe it isn't so crazy after all. Have you ever heard no. of um, a, a, it's a program called um, as in it's a book, it's a CD, it's a DVD, it's a movie, it's everything. It's called The Secret. Sure. Right. Yeah, and and, I, and I love the secret. I've actually, though, what I studied and what I've learned is the secret is one part of the lock. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Right. And what people don't realize is visualizing a good parking spot is a good, fun little trick to play. I've done that. And then you get there and boom, there's a the parking space. But do you know what seems to work even better is not visualizing a parking space. What I visualize is a parking space close as I'm getting out of my car and walking into the mall so that I take it there and beyond seeing the fruits of the labor, seeing the benefits of the thing that I've created. Uh, you know, when we were talking um, years ago about manifestation and intention, instead of just saying there's wildfires in California, let's focus on rain. And we did that. And it would rain, deluge, rain, but that caused mudslides, which caused mountains to collapse, houses to fall into the ocean. All right, let's send the manifestation this way. And again, for some of your listeners, they're going to be like, wow, this woo is way too out there. But I challenge you as a human being to try this for the next 45 days. When you think of something, think not of what you want, but what you will be once you've gotten it, right? The old fake it till you make it. Imagine there's fires raging all around. Don't just imagine the rain. Imagine the rain coming in and putting out the fires and stopping. And then the growth coming up, the new growth and, and new life and new energy that's being put back into that area. See the outcome that you want, not just I want it to rain. Because that's only one element of the secret. Want, wishing, whatever you want to call it manifesting to, to have a fully rounded relationship with your future and with what you truly seek. You have to see what you want clearly. You have to see getting there clearly. And you have to see what it looks like once you're there clearly. The more clearly, I think that's when we you see people that are much more successful. They're driven because they see what the world would be like if they fix this problem, right? And they fix it. It changes the world and they're billionaires because they saw further beyond just the problem and the immediate fix without realizing that the immediate fix could be as devastating, if not more than what the original problem was. You have to see so that you're seeing it on multiple levels, multiple dimensions, all projected out in front of you and then the final outcome. So again, do that practice that, see what you want. I look at my life and I was a kid. I wanted to be in radio. I saw myself at the microphone. 
I saw myself with people listening all around the world. I saw these things. It took me 40 years, 38 years to get there, but I got there. Life aligned itself. Things found itself in the right time. And you know what? It may not come when you want it, but it may come when you're ready for it. And I was ready for it at the age of 38. And I got this radio show and I, I look and I thought, well, I'm getting the chance to do something I love. What, what should I talk about? How about the paranormal? All these TV shows are popping up and there's really no radio show that's filling that niche market. There was a few ghostly talk, Jim Harold's paranormal podcast, uh, night watch, but that was about it. So when darkness radio came in, we were one of the first four or five out there doing it. And then it started to build from there. Now there's hundreds of thousands, if not a million paranormal podcasts out there, right? But it, it was something that I married the two things I loved, my radio and my fascination with the paranormal. And it blew up into a position that put me on TV, put me in front of millions of people around the world on my podcast and on TV and with my book. And has allowed me to do the things I want, but not just because I wanted to write a book, not just because I wanted to be on radio. I saw what it looked like on the other side of that want. And that's why I believe I get 90% of the things I want in life. And then you got to look back at the 10% I didn't. And I think, yeah, but I didn't get this. And then you realize, well, I didn't get that. However, that car, uh, they ended up pulling off the, the marketplace because it was exploding a lot. Right. So maybe it's a good thing I didn't get that car. So there are different elements that we don't always see the bigger picture. So yeah. the secret, I think, is a very powerful thing, but you have to know how to use it to your benefit, not just want, but yeah. see it all the way through. I'll have a think about that because you're not picturing far enough down the line at the moment. Right. Um, right. I just hope I, I live long enough to be able to fulfill my dreams. Um, nope. See, there you go. <laughs> There is no hope. There is just do, right? Very Yoda-like of me, I know. But, oh, well, I hope I... No, just do it. Right. You can do it, right? You don't I need will. me to believe in you, and you don't need all of your followers to believe in you. You just need to believe in you. And that's when you will get to where you need to go. It may be a bumpy ride, but you'll get there. I have no doubt. Why? Because I am a, a barely out of high school guy who barely managed a year and a half of college, but managed to maintain a lifestyle where I could pay for things and take care of a lot. I have 11 kids. Oh my right? goodness. So 11 kids between my wife and I, and uh, you know, ex-wives and I'm taking care of them too. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm jesting, but you know, the fact is that there's, there's a lot to it all. And, and you have to be in that wherewithal listen i'm in a dark place in life right now too it's crappy weather out it's gray it's snowy it's crappy i'm questioning life's choices things i've done but sometimes i have to just remember that i've been here before i've been in these dark places before and it'll pass i will find the light again there will be something bigger better i just have to be ready for it if i'm walking with my head hung i'm going to miss that golden ring as it passes over my head so my option is one of two things focus down and hating my life or continue to look up and look for that light, look for that brass ring so that when it comes, I'm ready for it. Right. I'm going to take your advice. Thank you. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> you deserve a good life. 
Everybody out there listening deserves a good life. And the problem is, is what we sell ourselves in a bill of goods. Many people out there have sold themselves on the fact that their life sucks and everything that they get sucks and breaks and is shit and it's never going to be any better. That's exactly what you're going to bring into your world. Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a bunch of hooey. That's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Really? Because a lot of people are succeeding in spite of it. And, and if you don't, if you don't believe me, think about how many people you know that have a really good life that are really crappy people that don't treat people right, but they see their future. They see where they belong and where they want to be. And they continue to get there. Right. It's all about so, self-belief. Right. It's that it, not even if you, even if you don't believe it yet, just start acting as though you're there and you're getting there. Movement is the most important part of that journey. I promise you. Same with the paranormal. I don't just go in and wait for a building to come to life. I go in with expectations. That's why I'm not afraid of the dark. I'm not afraid of seeing ghosts or goblins or demons. I'm putting myself in that position and I'm open for the experience. And because I put that out there and that intention and that manifestation, I get results. Yeah. That's very good advice. Thank um, you. I'm going to watch this back afterwards and I'm going to take notes. I'm like, right, what was it that Dave said? <laughs> he said, send Dave $19.95. <laughs> okay, so... um. So you've been on a lot of paranormal TV shows. Sure. Um, do you think it affected and impact, impacted the way you investigate when you're not being filmed or on TV? It has. I, I've learned to trim a lot of the fat of my time out so that I'm not just wasting time when I'm on a location. When you're on TV, you've got to have a direction. You've got to know what you're there to do. You've got to know what you want to accomplish. So I... I paired a lot of that out of my real world as well. Um, and that's not saying what I do on TV is not real. It is. It's just compressed. I get to the point quicker. And that's an important thing. Um, so it's also given me doing the TV show has helped to keep me focused on what are the right reasons. I'm not in it for a cheap thrill. I'm not in it to get scared. I'm not in it to, to do anything other than share experiences and try to help the souls that are there hearing what they're saying reacting to what they're doing and trying to help them and understand that sometimes it may be really scary and there may be a scary moment that just happened i get knocked on my butt i can choose to run out or i can stand up and go all right i get it you're upset what can we do to help you what's the next step you got my attention I'm not walking away from you. I'm not leaving you like a petulant child who thinks if I just keep pushing, you're going to leave. Well, wait a minute. You're not leaving and you, you care enough to listen. And sometimes that's what it takes. And then we get a name and that story then opens up and we understand who it is we're dealing with, why they would be there. And then we make the promise to them. Our, our commitment to them is I'm going to tell your story. And I'm going to make sure that people remember you for who you are, not for the story that has been told about you in the past. And sometimes that's all it takes to settle a spirit down. Yeah, I'm going to come back to that idea because um, mm -hmm. a bit later I want to ask you about <laughs> Devil's Perch. Um, sure. Um, but this brings me on to sort of the idea of ghosts and spirits we think of as dead people. Mm -hmm. How have you come to terms with the idea of death? 
you know, I, I've had fear of death my entire life. Uh, and I know that sounds silly, but I remember being five, six years old and being afraid that I would not wake up in the morning. Um, and that deeply impacted and affected me, left me terrified. And I've gotten to the point where I have a healthy respect of death. I don't want to get there too quick. Okay. Yeah. I want to enjoy the journey and I want to enjoy the things around me. So it's helped me have a, a better respect for death and just how precious life is because sadly, every day we're reminded how quickly it can go. Right. Lisa Marie yeah. Presley, two days, uh, you um, know, one day she's celebrating the, um, the golden globe win of Austin Butler portraying her father and doing this remarkable movie that showed Elvis in a new light and really kind of captured the essence and spirit of the man. And then two days later, she's gone. It just shows, you know, how, how fragile life is and, you know, why we need to be cautious with how we live our life. And, cautious with the way we treat people we care about and people that are in our lives because you don't know their journey and you don't know what they're going through. And today I might be in a crap mood, but if I just take a few minutes to smile at that woman at the register and go, Hey, you have a great smile. You look great today. I hope you have a fantastic day. That may be enough to put that person on a different path. Same with Mm -hmm. the spirits. I'm here. I care. I'm listening. I hope that what I'm about to do will be enough to help you. Yeah. I, I guess the, um, the hope is as well that when we come to uh, make that transition, that we hope mm-hmm. that people would give us the same respect afterwards. Have you ever thought about where you think you might go after you <laughs> pass over? Yeah, here's here's what I believe. I believe we visit heaven and hell. And I'm hoping we spend a lot more time in heaven than we do in hell. In, in kind of understanding many of the different traditions from religions all across the world, not just Christianity, I do believe that there are different elements to these nirvanas, these, you know, these lives between lives. And I think in my world, what hell will be is I will have to revisit the lives of every person I've hurt, every person that I discarded, treated poorly, bullied, um, mistreated. And I will have to live the life that they live, meaning that I will probably have to live hundreds of lifetimes with that person. And maybe those are the spirits we feel over our shoulder all the time is it's the people that died that hurt us that now have to live a life and see how that day of being a jerk impacted the rest of my entire life and how that pain, it always plays out. And I think that that's my hell. So what I've decided was if that's my hell, Heaven will be getting to see all of the good things I've done, to see how it's impacted every life I've ever touched with positivity. And I'll get to live in that light and I'll get to live in that joy and that happiness and that moment of, of, of glee that, they, that, that hits and resonates. They might not even think of Dave Schrader, but they're kind to somebody one day. They don't remember why. They just are kind to somebody that was in a bad place. And that joy and euphoria they felt. Well, you know what? I'd like there to be a lot more joy and euphoria ahead of me than anger and resentment. It's real easy to hate somebody. It's real easy to be angry and despondent, but it's just as easy to do something 
great and kind and compassionate and empathetic. And I would rather leave that journey in front of me than the other side, because if I got to relive all that hell and see and feel and, and do that, you know, karmic justice, I think it's going to be an ass kicking for a lot of people. So let's do our best to live a life that we'll get to reward ourselves with when we pass, where we get to see all the great stuff we did for other people, not, not as a way to pat ourselves on the back, but a way to make the world a better place. And I know that sounds very utopian, but why is that a bad thing? Yeah. Sometimes I have to say um, things like that cross my mind, especially I am. um, I suppose you could say I suffer from road rage. I don't really suffer from road rage. I suffer from an intolerance of really bad drivers Um, (laughs) because I love driving and um, I I was a chauffeur when I was younger and it's something that I feel I'm good at and so I I can comment on it. And so I do loudly in the car when people make uh, silly mistakes and sometimes... Sometimes in the past, I've kind of shouted at people, I hope you'll crash your car or something like that. And and then 10 minutes later, I think, oh, that was a really bad thing to think. I don't wish you'd crash your car. I'm sorry, but I wish right. I hadn't done that. And um, right. but you sort of think about these things. How is it going to come back? But at um, least you did it in your car to yourself. Mm-hmm. And they weren't really mentally impacted by what you did or said. They didn't go, God, that person wanted me dead. That's a heavy weight. Hey, somebody wanted me dead. And that's why I said, you know, those moments of road rage, are you really angry at the way they're driving? Are you kind of pissed off the rest of your day? And this is a good thing to vent about. This is a safe place to vent because you're in a little combined aluminum can that you can scream and yell. And they probably just think you're jamming along to Alanis Morissette in your car, right? Or (laughs) whatever, whatever angsty musician is out there right now. You know, so I, I think there's a difference in that. But again, yeah, that's cursing. You don't want to curse people either. Um, but we're human, right? And I'd rather think for a few seconds, right over a railing and okay, that's out of my system. Anyway, let's move on, right? And and we can think all those horrible thoughts and feel all those horrible emotions and get them out without actually afflicting somebody else with that pain. Yeah. Right. I'm going to um, I'm going to turn 90 degrees now um, with my questioning. Um, Sorry to to everyone listening. This doesn't run on. No, it's just a separate thing. Um, So basically, my husband and my sons think Mm -hmm. that the paranormal is a load of bunkum. They think Mm -hmm. it's ridiculous, but they very nicely kind of tolerate me. And then mm-hmm. pat me on the head as if I'm a bit disturbed every now and then. Um, uh, but do your family share your fascination or do they think you're absolutely nutty too? Yes, they share my fascination and I'm sure they also think I'm nutty. <laughs> um, but I, I also try to keep perspective. Uh, they may not have had the experiences I've had to put them in a place where they would think these things through this way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. Now, are, is your is your husband and sons, are they footballers? Do they love watching soccer and football? Uh, my my husband does, but my sons are okay. gamers. Okay. All right. So, perfect. To you, it's probably ridiculous to watch a bunch of grown men beating the hell out of each other to take a ball and run it down one end of the field or the other. What a waste of a day. You spent three hours watching a match that 
you know, one person scored and you've lost three hours of your life. How stupid is that? And you, and you, you just sat in your room four feet away from each other. You didn't talk to one another. You didn't play. You, you, you talk to strangers and give more of yourself to them than anybody else. That sounds insane to you and I, yeah. right? So I don't let it bother me. My kids love that I'm happy. They love that I do what I'm interested in. Some of them go along with me. They've all done it at one point or my son Cliff went on a couple of ghost hunts. He's my oldest son, my daughter, Jen, my oldest daughter's gone on some, my, my daughters, uh, Kayla and Pacey and Ripley have gone with me on paranormal investigations and the sequel things. My sons, Nathan and Linus have gone on. It's not their life. They don't continue to necessarily do it, but it was fun. And you know what? I say that it, it's been probably seven, maybe even 10 years since my daughter Kayla went on, on an investigation and I'm doing an event at Joliet state prison in May. And she and her fiance are like, Hey dad, do you mind if we come along? We'd like to tag along and ghost hunt with you. So it's not something that's always a part of their world, but they're, I welcome them in and out as they please. Um, but I'm sure there's things I do, or I see, or I experience that they think, Oh, you're, you're nuts old man, but that's okay. Because there's a lot of stuff they do that is not my realm of comfort or happiness. Right. So, I mean, do you remember being a kid when video games first came out, you loved playing video games. Yeah. Could you imagine paying to watch other kids play video games? No, it's ridiculous. That's what people do now, and that's entertainment. But that's okay, because if that's what makes them happy and they're enjoying it, I'm not here to judge that. Just like you can judge me all you want, and you may think I'm a nut for going ghost hunting. What I'm doing doesn't destroy the environment. What I'm doing doesn't hurt people's feelings. What I'm doing doesn't uh, take away from anybody's importance it doesn't care what religion what color or what sexuality we are it's the great evener it's fascination with death and what comes next it's the one thing that no matter what color our skin is or what sexual proclivity we are or what level in finances in our life whether we're dirt poor or extremely rich we're all interested even the skeptics would like some kind of proof that there's something else out there so it's the great evener so i'm, I'm cool with it i you know i've just let life happen, you know, and I'm, I, here's the deal. I grew up in an uptight world. You know, there was racism where I grew up and, and uh, homophobia and things like that. And maybe if I'd stayed in that bubble, I would be that guy, but being open to the world around me, I think I've experienced a lot more cool things and great friends because I wasn't caught up in how things are supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I feel the same about where I came from and uh, so I'm from the north of England a place called Yorkshire and um, my parents still live there and um, my two half sisters and their families and they're always saying when are you going to come back here when are you going to come back here right and uh, I say no I'm not coming back there because I find it quite um, claustrophobic it's quite tunnel visioned and sometimes you do just need to get out and experience the world and open your mind exactly definitely um now so i'm going to pin you down now to if you could choose one aspect of the paranormal or supernatural fields to dedicate your time to and you weren't allowed to spend any time on the others would it be ghosts ufos or cryptids and why okay uh good question 
um, I already believe in ghosts and I believe in spirituality and that we exist beyond our physical form. And I've seen enough evidence of it. Uh, I believe that what we consider to be cryptids are only, uh, you know, as I say, zoological items were once cryptozoological until we found them. And then once we find them and we understand them, they become zoological. So I believe there's so many things and we're discovering new species of insect and animal and bird and plant every year. So I can't define the fact that these beasts don't exist in some way. So I would really want proof. I would love to be brought aboard a spaceship. I would love to see the universe. I would love to, uh, I'm even up for a little anal probing if that's going to further the experience for me and my captors. I don't know. <laughs> I just, that would be the one thing. If I could, I would just, I would love to see that for myself up close and personal. I've seen, like I said, I've seen UFOs. I've seen things in the sky, but to have it land right there and to meet a being especially if it's one of the benevolent beings that, you know, supposedly exists amongst us. I, I, why wouldn't I want to meet that being? Why wouldn't I want to be that, be one of the people that has a chance to bridge that gap between their world and ours? Wow. So Besides, so that would also prove the existence to me of God, because there's so many miracles and majesties out there that if this is true and they're truly beings from another planet or even our future or our past finding a way to come through to us now that's awesome that's exciting it really is i'd um i've often stood out in my backyard at night and looked up at the stars and thought i really want someone to come down right now in my garden so that i can meet them and i imagine that i'd, I'd be really brave and i'd go over to meet them and then two minutes later i think oh, no please don't come, it's too terrifying. <laughs> so I, I could go swings and roundabouts, but I am sure as well, I'm sure, like you, that that there's definitely something and someone right under our nose that we don't know about. I agree. Now, I'm actually going to move on to one of your TV shows now, The Ghosts of Devil's Perch. I've um, We finally got it over here in the UK um, and I binged watched the whole thing. Um, so for people who haven't seen it, and I can't believe there is anybody, um, it's a series where um, Dave, um, Cindy Kayser and KG Stafford investigate the historical mining town of Butte, Montana. Um, my first question is, how did you first become aware of Devil's Perch and its incredible mass hauntings? Um we were just, you know, the, the city reached out to us and asked us to be a part of, of helping them. So it was their reaching out to the production company that brought it to my attention. Um, and that's how we got to know it. And I don't mean to be, I don't, I don't mean to tease and, and bring you out. I do have to get going because I have another interview that I have to do as well, but it was an amazing experience to get to go to a town that it wasn't just centered around one haunting, one area, that the entire yeah. town, the entire history of that town was haunted that there was paranormal activity taking place from different layers in time and that we were able to give voice to lost souls and give histories back to the spirits that have lost theirs that to me is a gift and that's one of the reasons that i'm proud to be a part of the field that i'm a part of yeah it was so can can we expect to see another series do we know yet 
I hope, uh, I would guess if we go back into filming, it'll probably start in 2024. There's been a lot of uh, change here in the United States at the Discovery Network because of their purchase of HBO and, and Warner Brothers. And they're trying to kind of allocate through all the products and projects that they have. Um, so I've been told that, you know, if things pop, we'll probably hear something early 2024. Okay, so my final question is, what can we hope to see from Dave Schrader in the near future? Is there anything you can tell us about? I'm traveling the world. I'm getting a chance to see and meet amazing people. I will be in the UK in September at the Festival of the Unexplained. You can look up Festival of theunexplained.com. I will be there for a uh, three, three or four day paranormal conference. I'm also doing a tour that I'll be there with a bunch of our listeners uh, from the Paranormal 60 podcast, where we will be there traveling, seeing England, seeing haunted history, and getting a chance to go out there and explore this ourselves. Um, so that's that's exciting to me. I'm super jacked and, and pumped about doing this and can't wait to get back out there. So if if your followers and listeners want to check darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com, that's the best way to keep in touch with me and find out where I'm going to be. And I'm going to be all over the world this year. We'll be in uh, Egypt in February. I'll be in England in September. I'll be in Germany and Prague in July. And uh, if, if your people are out there and about and want to meet, maybe we'll find ways to connect or they can join me on these trips and get to see hauntings and histories in real life with me. That's fantastic. Well, I am aware that you've got to get off, Dave. So I'll say yeah. thank you so much thank you. for being on the podcast. And My pleasure. Um, I, you, you never know. You may see in the crowd one day when you come over to England, little me going, oh, Dave, it's me. So, Do it. Uh, Festival of the Unexplained. Make it happen. <laughs> I will. Thank you ever so much, Dave. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Now, you can't tell me that that wasn't interesting. That was one of the most fascinating interviews I've done since I've started the podcast, which is two years old. Happy birthday to us. So here's to many more exciting interviews with many, many more interesting people from the paranormal world. Don't forget to send me your stories. I cannot stress this enough. I really, really want to have a segment on the podcast where listeners send in their true paranormal stories. I'm even looking into getting us a phone number where you can call in and record your story. But at the moment, of course, everybody has a mobile phone. So just go to the spot on your phone that says voice recorder, talk into your phone, tell me about your experiences, record it, and then email it to me at paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com that's paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com also please tell your friends if they're interested in the paranormal please ask them to listen to the show i'm trying to grow the show but i really need your help because you are the most important people that a podcast can have i can't do it without you guys Please help me to grow the show. Please go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts, go to CastBox, 
Podbean, anywhere that you listen to this podcast, and please rate and review the show. I need lots and lots of five-star reviews. Do you know, I don't even know if I've got any yet, which I think is a shame because we have some real top-notch guests on here, and, and I don't think I'm too bad. I mean, I know it's quite basic, but... People keep telling me to upgrade my um, my logo, but actually, I really like the little screaming man. I really want a logo based on Edvard Munch's The Scream. So if you're an artist and you fancy doing me a little sketch based on The Scream um, for Paranormal or What podcast, then I will seriously consider having it as my new logo. Right, well, with all the excitement in the world about UFOs flying around, we never know what position we might be in next week. So, hurry up, tell me your experiences and send them into the show. And I'll try and find someone else really fantastic to have a tat chat to. A tat or a chat, who knows? Okay, well, take care and I'll speak to you next week. Don't forget, together we can figure it out. Night. Hi everyone. So here are some of my short paranormal experiences. I tend to keep them in a list on my mobile phone just to remind me of all the strange, spooky and sometimes very small incidents that have happened around me. One thing happened to me in 1996 when I was a student in Wakefield in West Yorkshire in the UK and I always got the feeling that the upstairs of the house was haunted. It was quite an unusual house because it was a private rental for students and it was two sets of semi-detached houses which meant that they'd been knocked together to make one big house but then the owner had re-separated them but reconfigured how it worked. So even though it was originally a, a two-bedroomed house, he'd made it into a one-bedroomed house. He'd kept one of the bedrooms on his side of the house, and then there was just one bedroom upstairs, which was mine, and the bathroom. And my friend was using the living room downstairs as her bedroom. So it was a good way of maximising the potential of earning from students, I suppose. Anyway, um, the man who owned the house had previously had his very elderly mother living there and she had died. We don't know if she died in the house, but I always felt a presence upstairs and especially in the bathroom. It was always you always felt like someone was watching you for some reason. Anyway, this one particular day, I was getting ready to go out 
and I had a nail varnish on my bedside table and it suddenly started vibrating and shaking really rapidly and rather than being afraid I was really really curious and I just sat down next to it I must have watched it for a full five minutes thinking surely it's going to stop at some point it can't just keep on shaking from side to side and vibrating really fast and why isn't anything else in the room vibrating but it didn't and then in the end I just gently put my finger on the top of it and it stopped vibrating very strange have you ever had anything like that happen to you let me know if you have This was one of the more unusual things that happened to me and I apologise if I have spoken about it before. Um, Maybe I should start ticking off the ones I've talked about on the podcast. Um, Anyway, I was a student camp counsellor in a summer camp in America in 1997. I went there twice. It was in Pennsylvania And it was a summer camp, especially for children with difficulties such as ADHD and OCD, Tourette's syndrome, things like that. So it was a very energetic place and I loved it. In fact, I went back there the year after. And the first time that I went, it was very... um, funny because um, we got to do lots and lots of sports obviously we had to keep these children really busy and really um, active the whole time so I got to try lots of sports I'd never tried before and one of them was softball and it turned out that I was quite good at softball because I had the ability to hit the ball quite a long way Um, probably all those hours of rounders that we did at school and I was very pleased because the PE coach that they had there every time I came to the square at the front to take my turn he would shout big hitter and everybody would move back and as I wasn't very good at sports at school it made me feel really pleased in a really silly way anyway this one particular day we were doing a really good game and so we carried on Um, and played after dinner so we were playing about sort of 7 to 8 30 p.m and although it was summer it was starting to come dusky around that time and I was out on the pitch I don't know what you call it fielding anyway waiting to catch the ball and I was in a really isolated spot because I was trying to do my best to um, spread out and around the baseball pitch the softball pitch were trees Um, now I was kind of on the outskirts of the pitch and as I stood there I always find dusk a very strange time I don't know about you because it plays tricks on your eyes all the time but this was no trick of my eyes I can absolutely guarantee you that I was stood there when a miniature cloud flew past me very slowly and it was the most bizarre thing because the cloud was 
below my head height. I'm five foot six. So it was about five feet off the ground. It was about four feet in front of me. And it was very contained, quite a, a dense cloud of mist, white mist. And it just made its way very slowly and very purposefully across the pitch, right in front of me. And then off to the side. And I stood watching it and it felt like it somehow was animated. I don't know how to describe it, but almost like it could be someone's spirit. And there was a big part of me that really wanted to reach out and put my hand in it to see whether whether it went away or whether it felt cold or... But there was something holding me back. And I, it was just this fear that something bad would happen if I put my hand in it, almost like I was sticking my hand into someone's soul. So it really freaked me out. All I did was just stand there and watch it. And it gently moseyed off into the distance until I couldn't see it anymore. It was so weird. This phenomena started in my house just after the first lockdown for COVID. It was April 2020 and of course we were all at home and it carried on intermittently for quite a a while, although I haven't heard it for the last few months and it's very simple and very strange. Let me give you a bit of background. I live in uh, the south of the UK and I live on in a suburban area, um, an estate we call it, and we live in a 1930s semi-detached house, so we're just attached to one other house. And the kitchen is what we call a galley kitchen, which means it's very long and thin, uh, which causes interesting problems if someone's trying to cook and someone's trying to get the washing out of the washing machine and somebody's trying to wash the dishes and someone's trying to unload the dishwasher. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. But it, it's, so it's quite long and thin. And quite a lot of unusual things have happened in the kitchen. Um, I would say, if I was asked, I would say that my house is not haunted. But a lot of weird things have happened in it. Um, You might have listened to one of the episodes right at the beginning of the podcast where I talked about um, (laughs) face cloth gate and slipper gate, where my slippers and my face cloth went missing almost right in front of my eyes and then reappeared again mysteriously. Um, And I might have told you about the voice that just popped out of the ether one day. Um, Just very quickly, if you haven't heard that, I was just in my bedroom one day putting away clean washing, which I spend a lot of time doing, which I'm I'm just sat by a full basket now, actually. Um, having teenage boys is quite washing heavy. And I was just sort of pottering around in my bedroom when I got this massive load of static in my head, inside my head, like a radio station. 
And then the static went and a female voice said, hello. And I just stopped still and said, hello. And then kept saying, hello, hello. And nothing happened. That was it. The static in my head and then hello. Very strange. I had another episode like this when I was at my haunted hotel for the second time in February and I'd been asleep and I woke up and as I woke up in room six, this male voice, very deep voice, felt like somebody was very tall was stood right next to the little bed that I was in and this deep voice said, hello. And I woke up and said, hello. And my friend who was there said, hello, what's the matter? And I said, no, a man just said hello to me. And again, it felt like it was inside my head. Now, the second one you could probably put down to exploding head syndrome, which is where when you're falling asleep or waking up, your head um, can make strange noises. Like quite a lot of times um, when I've had this, I've heard really loud banging on the doors or the walls, which is almost like um, in horror films where there's a really loud echoey banging, but it feels like it's, you can't tell if it's in your head or not inside your head. And I've had that quite a lot when I've been falling asleep or waking up. So do I put the voice down to um, exploding head syndrome in my haunted hotel. But the one in my bedroom where I had the static and then the woman's voice, I was wide awake. It was just mid-afternoon, so I don't know what that explanation is. Anyway, I digress. The kitchen. The kitchen makes noises and it's very, very, very strange noises. It's like a really loud popping sound. Um, like if you shook up um, a fizzy drink and then the lid was on only loosely and it popped off, that kind of pop. Um, or if you make that noise with your finger in your cheek where you make, you make your mouth go, um, but really, really loud. In fact, the first time it happened, it was so loud that it caused everyone in the living room to get up and go into the kitchen to see what on earth had happened. Um, and we found no explanation for it. And it's happened several times since. Um, and it's always around the kitchen sink. Now, maybe it's something to do with the kitchen sink. Um but it's a it's a very particular sound, and I have heard it once while I was out and about um in in a woodland, this bizarre popping sound and because I've got a very very active imagination, it almost um comes into my head that it's almost like someone popping in and out of existence or popping in and out of a dimension um it sort of reminds me a bit of something in his dark materials where they find a portal and they can kind of pop in and out through it. It's 
Very strange, and I don't know what the answer is to that. Has anybody else heard strange popping sounds? And am I making too much of it if I think, is it something to do with extraterrestrials? Or is it just a faulty drain in my sink? Why don't you come onto the Facebook page and tell me your theory? The popping in the kitchen. What or who is doing it? Now, let's move on to full-bodied apparitions. Why is it always so short? I know some people have really juicy, long experiences of seeing full-bodied apparitions, but mine are so short that sometimes you question yourself as to whether you actually saw it at all. There were, there have been two um, animal sightings that I've had and two human sightings. So let's see what you think. I might have told you about the, um, the dogs before, but I shall briefly um, go over my stories again. So the first one was in the year 2000, I was working as an actor in Germany and I was on a tour. We were in East Germany and I believe we were in Leipzig staying in a bed and breakfast place um, as the actors do on the tour. They drive from place to place, do their show and then stay in a a bed and breakfast before moving on the next day. Anyway, uh, we had a weekend, a rare weekend off where we didn't have to travel very far. So we got the um, fabulous train into Leipzig and we had a brilliant evening, went to these kind of studenty type pubs. Um, by the way, if you ever want to go out in Germany, Leipzig's a really good night out if you like studenty type feel. Um, it was really chilled out and really nice. So then we'd had, um, you know, quite a bit to drink, but we weren't quite ready to go home. And we heard of this pub, which was in the countryside And we decided uh, to go to it because it was open. Apparently it was open all night. So we got a taxi there and we went to the pub. But actually, once we got there, we had one drink and then realised we were really tired. Um, We'd had enough. And this was about three o'clock in the morning. And unfortunately, we couldn't get a taxi. So we booked one, but I think we had to wait an hour and a half or maybe two hours for the taxi. And we'd completely flagged by then. We were really tired. And next to the main area of the bar, there was a little snug area. And in the snug area, it had leather armchairs. So I plopped myself into one of those. And I was, I was half asleep, okay, and I had had quite a bit to drink, but I'm still sure that I saw what I saw, and you can take me seriously, I'll just put it down to being drunk and sleepy, it's completely up to you. So I was sat in the chair, I had the door to the bar, the main bar area on my left, and 
then straight ahead of me was the door to the private area where the the public house owner lived. So there was obviously a door and then they probably went upstairs to their apartment. And so that was closed and it said no entry. And as I was sat there, um, a grey dog, a bit like um, sort of a greyhound, walked from my left, from the bar area, past me in my chair and then into the door that led upstairs. And the only thing that made me sort of question it was that in my sleepiness, I realised my reactions were very slow and I realised that the dog had actually walked through the door. So I hadn't thought anything of it. The door just, the dog walked past me, just moseyed by, walk, 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 through the door. And then I went, oh, oh, it just walked through the door and the door was closed. That's weird. And yeah, and that was it. And then I turned around to my friend and said, I've just seen a ghost dog. And everybody laughed at me, which is what usually happens. Um, but I still remember it now. I can still picture myself sat there and seeing the dog walk past. So the second time I saw a ghost dog was, it's where I live now, and there is an old train track in our town um, that has been covered over and made into a long countryside walkway, which which is quite a common thing to do with old um, train lines now because it, it makes a beautiful um, walk through the countryside um, they take up the tracks and they um, tarmac the area and then you can just walk through the countryside and it's really easy and you can ride your bike and things like that so I was walking up there Centurion Way the top half of it um, no I was actually out with the boys on my bike which was a rare occurrence and um, we were cycling down Centurion Way and it's mostly straight but there are one or two curvy corners. And in the distance, I could see one of the curvy corners and it went up over to the brow of a, a gentle hill um, where there's a grove of trees just by itself. And as I was cycling along, I saw this, again, big grey dog, a bit like a, a grey sort of Irish wolfhound, tall spindly and it walked across the path and disappeared into the bushes at the other side and at the time I thought oh that's weird because there's no one with it I wonder who it's with so when we got to the place where I'd seen it I stopped and got off my bike and had a look around and there was no one there there was no dog there. And actually, when I got to it, it would have been impossible for a dog to have done what I saw it do because either side was very, very, very dense hedge. Um, so dense that that no one could get through. It's like an ancient hedgerow. And um, in fact, on the part where I saw the dog go into... Um, on the other side of the hedge was um, a wire fence. So I actually got walked around the fence to the other side 
And I just stood there looking round going, but this is impossible. A dog can't have gone through there. There's no one here. And what's the explanation? Um, and so I told my children and they laughed at me. <laughs> you must have all had this before. Something incredible happens and you tell people and they just go, oh, it's just your imagination. It's like, why would my imagination wait, make up a random large hunting dog walking across the path in front of me? What? What? Why would that happen? I don't know. What do you think the answer is? So onto the full-bodied apparitions of people, and they're both very, very different experiences. The first one only happened a few weeks ago, and I actually um, sent my experience off to Monsters Among Us podcast. Hi there, Derek, and hi there, Monsters Among Us fans. Um, one of my very favourite podcasts. I just love listening to it. So I was driving along the road, and it was just a very normal road. On the left-hand side is... Um, a sports field. Uh, lots of people play football there. There's no fence or anything. It's just road, path, pavement, um, and then straight onto the sports field. And there was a woman walking along the path. Now, I didn't take a lot of notice of the woman to start with because I'm driving along and there's just a woman walking along the path. And then she disappeared. She literally just vanished. So I looked in my rear view mirror thinking, well, it's obviously that just that I've gone past her. Um, although my brain was telling me that something weird was going on. And, and there was literally no one on that pavement. No one. And the woman I saw, it was very, um, very normal. She was... Um, a larger lady with jeans on and um, a white top. She had long blonde hair, but it was curled as if she'd um, done it with a curling tongue. Um, and literally, I'm driving along. Oh, there's a lady on the side of the pavement. Oh, the lady's just disappeared in the blink of an eye. She's just like zapped out. And then... I look in my rearview mirror and, and no one's there. Literally no one is there on the pavement. So I don't know what the explanation for that is, unless it's my brain kind of projecting filmic things onto the pavement. I don't know. Can that happen? You tell me. Now, the other full-bodied apparition that I saw was much more of a, a ghostly type but again, unexpectedly, it happened during the middle of the day. It, it's quite funny because um, when we go to visit our friends in Bristol, UK, we always, if we can't stay at their house for some reason, we stay in this particular pub, which is an extremely old pub. It dates back right from the 13th century. And obviously it's had extensions um, from then, I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Um, 
but I can find it out if anybody wants to know, just get in touch on the uh, Facebook page. So we stayed at this really old pub. And of course, me being me, um, I might take a little bit of an equipment with me and have a bit of a poke around, especially when we get back in the evening before we go to bed. I'm thinking, oh, am I going to see any ghosts? I wonder if it's haunted. Um, and I, uh, you know, I was questioning the staff. And this time I hadn't had chance to question the staff so I um thought oh I'll do it at breakfast time anyway um I forgot as you do sat having our breakfast and then my husband went off to the toilet and while I was sat there out of the corner of my eye I saw a woman walk past me a woman in grey um, Victorian sort of outfit and it only happened for a second and then when I looked properly she wasn't there but I'd seen her out of the corner of my eye walk past me um, and then when I turned my head to look she she disappeared so that was uh, uh, that was what happened there and I did actually um question the people who um who were working there and they did say that sometimes there has been a ghost of a woman seen so maybe i saw the gray woman all oh, very exciting isn't it so let me know have you seen a full-bodied apparition what i want to know is did you see it out of the corner of your eye or did you see it full face on? Because that's what I find really fascinating. I went through a period in my house of seeing dark shadows out of the corner of my eye. And it really freaked me out. And the time it freaked me out the most was when I saw a rat type shadow. I came out of the bathroom after cleaning my teeth one night and I saw like a dark rat shaped shadow go into my son's bedroom and I rushed in after it. But of course, I couldn't see it. And that started to freak me out. Um, and I would often see dark, little dark, like really inky black shadows out of the corner of my eye around the house, especially in the hallway by the front door. And and I would see it out of both corners of my eye, if you know what I mean, out of my right eye and my left eye, um, so much so that I ended up smudging the house. And actually, I haven't seen anything since I smudged the house and I did a lot of shouting out, um, you know, banning negative energies and things like that. And that seemed to have worked. Has anybody else had things like that? Have you had dark shadows dancing around in the corner of your vision and have you done anything about it don't forget to send your experiences in to me at paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com or do a voice memo on your phone and send it to me at that address paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com or go to anchor um, on Spotify and you can upload your voice memos directly to the Anchor website.
This is a very short but very weird experience that I've had throughout my entire life. And it happened a lot more when I was younger, when I was in my 20s and 30s. It happens less now. But it really got to the point where I was concerned for myself. I was concerned for my sanity, one of the many times in my life. Um, And I thought, is my brain or my body causing this? And what would happen was that the ground would shake under me violently for less than a second and then stop. So I'd just be going about my normal business and then the ground would shake and it can shake, it could do it while I was sat down, it could do it while I was stood up um, and it would just be like a, a miniature earthquake for a second and then stop. And I came to the conclusion that it must be my brain doing this and I was a bit worried that there was something really wrong with me. But as I've got older, it's happened less and less. But I've always found it very intriguing. Has anyone else ever had this phenomena where everything vibrates really, really violently? Um, and it feels like it's vi- the whole world's vibrating under your feet, but literally just for a second. And then it stops. And you, then you stood there going, what was that? Was that just me? Did anybody else notice that? Is it just me? Is it my body? Is it my brain? Or is it something that no one else is noticing? Let me know if you've had a similar experience to that.